It had been about six years before that that happened. And the boy's mother, every day, went to the grave, and sometimes twice a day, every single day, for five or six years. And I don't, she was still going when I first heard the story. She was still going every day to the grave. And I think that's an extreme case of what I would call obsessed with the death of somebody, not really dealing with the reality that death comes. Now, there can be some real tragic cases like that. It happens with children. We say, why do children die? And we don't have that answer. We don't know why. But this case had its very strange part because nobody could figure out what happened to her. She was just laying dead on the side of the road. But she went every day, rain, snow, winter, summer, spring, fall, every day went and stood by the grave and cried. And so that's a sad thing. But it shows, if you will, a desire on the part of people, maybe an inability, I should say, not to be able to deal with the reality of death. Right? That doesn't mean you shouldn't be sad when somebody dies. I mean, that's kind of a natural thing that we are sad. God's the one, of course, that helps us. Because if, like my parents died, I know I'll see them again. I'm guaranteed that. All right, so that's a big help, isn't it? All right, but if somebody doesn't have that, that's not so good. And so what can happen sometimes is people will press into that thought and say, I'm going to find out, I'm going to communicate with somebody after they died. All right? And so uh, I will look at 1 Samuel chapter 28. Because the Bible has a case here of somebody died and they wanted to talk to that person who died. And uh, we have in 1 Samuel chapter 28 a story of somebody who tried to communicate with the dead. <coughs> so I'm looking at verse 7. <coughs> 1 Samuel 28 Verse 7, then says Saul to his servants, seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I might go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said unto him, behold, there's a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor. And Saul disguised himself, put on other raiment, and he went, two men with him, and they came to the woman by night. He said, I pray thee, divine unto me by the familiar spirit, and bring him up whom I shall name unto thee. And the woman said unto him, Behold, thou knowest what Saul hath done now. Saul's in disguise. All right? She doesn't know that he's Saul. And she says, Here's what Saul said. He's cut off those with familiar spirits and wizards out of the land. I right? say, so weren't allowed to live. Therefore, why layest thou a snare for my life? Cause me to die. You're trying to get me to disobey the king. Saul swear unto her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord liveth, there shall no punishment happen to thee for this thing. And then the woman said, What shall I bring up unto thee? And he said, Bring me up Samuel. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. And the woman spake unto Saul, Why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. And the king said unto her, Be not afraid. What sawest thou? And the woman said unto Saul, I saw gods ascending 
out of the earth. And he said unto her, What form is he of? And she said, An old man cometh up. He's covered with a mantle. Samuel per- Saul perceived it was Samuel. And he stood with his face to the ground and bowed himself. So Saul says, and the, the reason he did is he wouldn't listen to God. He just wouldn't listen. He's going to do whatever he said. And so finally he said, I don't know what to do. Should I go to battle or not? I'll ask Samuel and I'll find a medium, is what we call him today. They call him someone with familiar uh, spirit, but the, the correct word that we use today is medium, would be called someone who tries to communicate with the dead. In the Old Testament they use the word familiar spirit. There's a reason for that. There's a purpose for that. Uh, because there's a lot of this stuff that's just fake. All right? You ever see these people on TV? <laughs> they sit up in the front and they got a little audience and they say, okay, who wants to talk to their mother? Who wants to talk? Somebody will say, okay, I got a message for your mother. I hope you're doing well. Come on, you know. It's so silly, you know. And they'll say, well, let's see, you're Italian, your name must be, maybe you're Mary. That's my mother, you know. These guys that play a little, they really know how to talk to people and get information out of them and then use it back on them. And there are frauds and fakes, but there are real mediums. There are genuinely people who are medium. Well, what do they do? Well, they contact the dead. They say they are. They're liars. They're not contacting the dead. They're contacting, as it says in the Old Testament, they use the word a familiar uh, spirit. And that is a demon. That would be a demon. All right? And so... They have a contact with some demon somewhere, and they say they're going to call up the familiar, or that is, we know them. We can call them up, and they'll give us information. See, how can demons give us information? Because they're hundreds and thousands of years old. All right? They've been around watching human history, and they may be watching us. All right? And they have some information. And so a real medium is a witch, basically, uh, someone who deals with that deception. And so what happens is uh, Saul says, well, I got to speak to Samuel. And he wouldn't talk to me when he was alive. Of course, he did. Told him, behave. (laughs) No, I don't want to do that. And so he says, call me up Samuel. And so she's going to do her regular thing and call up the demon. And all of a sudden, <laughs> who's that? I saw God's coming out of the earth. Or God said, this particular seance, I'm going to interrupt it. I'm sending Samuel. <laughs> and so a real life Samuel came up and he told him, you're going to go to battle tomorrow and you're going to die. And so he went to battle the next day and died. You get it? You know, he's an idiot. He's an idiot by this point. Even when he asks Samuel. So this obsession with talking to the dead is when we can't deal with death. And we get obsessed. We're going to talk to him. And people like Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, you've heard of him maybe. He's the one that wrote the Sherlock Holmes series. Uh, he was into this. I mean, he was studying it and trying to call up mediums all around and trying to communicate with the dead. All right. And so Bible says we're not going to suffer medium 
to live in the Old Testament, we're going to clear them. We never go to them for information. Never, all right? Because there is evil. There are evil things. And uh, this lady would normally call up a demon, uh, but God said, no, we're going to fix old Saul. And so uh, that's it. So what I'm saying is this. There's a healthy attitude towards death. When, and when somebody dies, we accept that fact and that reality. They've died. And they've gone out of reach to us. All right? And we can't try to communicate through a medium or somebody, which people go to because they're obsessed and they can't deal with reality. All right? And so, now that I've said that, uh, we never turn to evil. We're always going to avoid evil when it comes and shows its head. Uh, avoid evil, and that would be like a medium, somebody that practices witchcraft. Or fakes it even. <laughs> Certainly not. Now, I'm going to blow your mind away. I'm going to say just the opposite. Ready? Uh, I'm going to tell you a story that happened to me. <coughs> and my mother died that year, and at Christmas time, you know, my mother loved Christmas, and as you know, it rubbed off on me, right? And so I always used to make sure I'd treated my mother well, especially at Christmas. And of course she was dead. So I went down to the cemetery and I said a little prayer by her grave and I said, uh, Merry Christmas, Mom. And then I got in my van and came back. She's buried right over there. And I had to stop at the church. So I pulled up to the end of the uh, sidewalk there and I came in the church and whatever I had to do, I took care of it. And I started to go and walk out the door, and I looked out, and sitting on my van is a pure white dove with red eyes. And so I stop, and I'm thinking, look at that. That's pretty cool. The dove on my van. And then the dove flew over and landed on the windowsill. And the dove is looking in the window at me. Now I'm kind of scratching my head. Is looking at me. There's this white dove with red eyes looking through the window at what's inside, and I'm inside. And then the dove flew back and landed on the van again, sat on the van. So all together for probably almost five minutes, I'm watching this white dove on my van and sitting on a window still, looking in, and then go back to my van, and finally the dove flew away. And so I made my mind bend a little. I'm thinking, I'm gonna watch for that dove, because there's a flock of pigeons lives down the road here, flock of pigeons that lives down at Alvin's Barnes, so I'm gonna check. So I kept going by, watching all the pigeons, not one white dove anywhere. I never saw it again. I thought for sure it came from a flock of pigeons. So questions started to rise in my mind. Where did that thing come from? And why did it land on my van? And why did it look in the window at me? And was here for five minutes. And I thought, well, the thing I did just before that was say Merry Christmas to Mom. So. I can't prove this. 
I got no proof of this at all. But I, if you had to ask me, I'm going to tell you from my heart that God took my message up and said, he said, Merry Christmas. <laughs> and she said, well, tell him back. And so you say, can you prove anything? Don't ask me to find that in the Bible. All right. There are things that happen in life that we cannot explain. We can't explain. And so I have always had the idea that I might say to God, can you pass off a message for me? And one of the times that I do that now, and I do it every once in a while, there's an author that I absolutely love. And when I read something that he wrote, it gets me right here. I mean, it says, Eric, what do you think of that? Oh, you got me again. And sometimes I say, God, will you tell this guy he's really getting at me? He really has been the best author in the world. He's the guy. And so I do sometimes ask God to pass on a message. Now, let's go back out of that world into, I guess, reality. Uh, and part of the question was, are people watching over us? Are they looking down on us and watching over us? Uh, I'm going to give you what we know by the Bible. Uh, Isaiah looked up into heaven and God opened so he could look up. And he looks up into heaven and uh, he sees what's going on there. Micaiah, less famous prophet, but he was a prophet who got a chance to look into heaven and he saw that King Ahab was going to die in battle and God was talking. And God said, well, we got to do something to destroy Ahab. And one of the spirits said, I'll be a liar and fix him good. And they did. All right, Isaiah, God was saying, I need somebody to go preach. And Isaiah, who was there, said, let me go, I'll go. All right, in the book of Revelations, also, he looks up into heaven, and there's a lot of things going on. You read Revelations, all kinds of stuff going on. And the point is, when people get to look into heaven, What's going on up there is God's business, okay? It's God's business. That's a busy place up there. And God is doing things. And sometimes we have the concept that, well, uh, people are just up there hanging around. All right? They're hanging around up there, and they've got it easy. They're retired. And so... Uh, no, that's not what we see. When we get a chance to look into heaven, we see very busy place. So we're looking up into heaven. What's going on? It's God's business. It's not a chance for us to chat with old friends. All right? That's not what it is. It's God's business going on. All right? And so I would say that one of the key elements about it is that we live in different dimensions. There are different dimensions of existence. We live in this dimension, time-space continuum. We're, we're uh, held down, limited by time. We have to function in time. We're forced to. And we're limited by space. We can take up space, but we can't, I can't walk through that wall. Okay, I'm stuck here. 
I can't get out there till I break a hole in it, all right? So you, you're limited by those things in this dimension. And the whole point of our dimension is there are limitations on it. Now, in heaven, that's another dimension of existence. And up there, they're also, I think, limited by their dimension, however wonderful it might be. All right, it's a wonderful place. But can we actually talk with them, and are they looking down and watching us? And my answer to that would be, um, I don't know. <laughs> but I think not. I think not. Because they're very busy. And God's doing things. But I do think that we might be able to send a message, as I have done unwittingly, all right, and then since I still talk to God, God's very easy to get along with, you know, you can talk to him, he's very easy to get along, he's a lot of fun to be with, and you can talk to God, and I tell him, you know, I wish my mother knew this, or I wish somebody knew that, and I believe that God is faithful to deliver a message, all right. I don't think that we can talk directly to them, and I don't think they're looking down at it because they're so busy. And let me give you a couple reasons uh, about the busyness of heaven. Uh, number one, because of the uh, evil nature of humans, uh, we send hundreds and thousands of babies up to heaven before they're born. We abort thousands of babies all over the world and we're killing babies and they're, they're cheering, cheering it on. And uh, so I do not believe that if you die as a child, you're suddenly an adult in heaven. I believe if you're 10 years old, then when you go up to heaven, you'll be 10 years old there. And that you grow up there. So if you think about that, these aborted babies, hundreds and thousands of them. Somebody's got to take care of them babies. And somebody up there watches over little babies and helps them to grow up in heaven. I always think my mom's probably one of them with her wooden spoon. <laughs> now, she doesn't have to do that in heaven like she did down here. All right, but uh, you know, <clears throat> things like that, you know how many people it must take? Hundreds of thousands of people watching over little babies and they arrive in heaven. And as they grow up in heaven, they're being taught, helping to know God. This is the same like we would down here. And I think uh, people up there are really busy in that way. The other way that is much more, I think, consuming up there is we're told that in heaven they're building a city. And uh, eventually that city will be the new Jerusalem. And, and uh, John looks in Revelation and says, I saw that city it was finished. And they brought it down to earth. And so the two dimensions 
we have the dimension of time and space where we live here, and then there's another dimension of heaven. And in the end, God says, I'm going to put both of them together now. So we're going to bring heaven down to earth, and it's going to be one big dimension of God reigning over everything, which is pretty fantastic, all right? That's, that's a great thought. hurts your mind to think like that, because we're, we're not used to that. But here's the thing. The city that's being built in heaven that's going to come down to earth, we got the dimensions of it. We're told how big it is. It's the size of Europe. All right? There's no city in this world that's even close to that. All right? You got cities like London and New York, which say, oh, they're huge. That's peanuts. All right, they're building a city and they're going to bring it down to earth and the earth is going to be recreated without any sea and they're going to bring down the city and it's the size of Europe. (laughs) My mind can't even grasp that. But they said it's four square or that is it's not only that way around, it's circumference, but it's it's that high. They call it the city four square, or it's square. So this city that they're building, can you imagine how many people must be working on that? I mean, my grandfather was an expert carpenter. I got a feeling he's up there busy, okay? And so in heaven, they're doing God's business. And it's got a lot to do with us, all right? It would be... Uh, reuniting with family and all those things that are going to come to us, but they're busy up there. And so, can we communicate? I am not going to say no because of my experience. I can't explain why a white dove sat on a church windowsill. All right, I can't explain that, but I can believe that, yes, okay, we can say, God, I got a message. Will you pass it on? And he'll decide whether it's worth it or not, because sometimes our messages might be trite, not really all that important. But he might decide, yeah, okay. And so I think you can certainly say to God, uh, just something I want to say, and there. And then leave it up to him to do what he thinks. All right, so can you communicate? Yeah, Yeah, maybe, could be, yeah. I'd say in that way, in that limited way you can. Are they watching us? Well, I'm sure they want to know. Or I'm sure they want to know about us. And when somebody dies at the East Shelby Church, I bet you there's a big crowd around there. All going, Tell me what happened. What's going on down there? All right. And they're taking the message up. And so that's why I think when someone dies and goes to heaven, it's such a happy moment. Because we have church universal and triumphant. All right. And the church triumphant is the one in heaven. And so East Shelby Church got a lot of members up there. See all those names hanging on the wall there? There's more than that, but they're up there in heaven. And I'm sure they're saying, what's going on in East Shelby? Where are you from? East Shelby. Sit down. Let's talk. <laughs> all right. And I'm sure that way messages are communicated too. Right. But can you pray and say, hey, Mom, try it. You know, trust in God. And don't be afraid to say, say I love you, say I miss you, say something. 
All right, and, and don't feel bad about it. God knows. All right? He's not up there saying, how dare you? No, he's not doing that. He's easy to be with, and he's certainly willing to have people who love each other uh, know it in some way. All right? So that's the answer, a lot of answers to the question. The obsession with the idea of death is something we got to watch because that can turn bad, like it did in the Bible, turn into something evil. We have to accept death. Take a natural approach. Say, all right, this is what happens. When we live down here, we're going to die. And we're all going to face that one way or the other by our loved ones until someday it's me. They'll drag me over and throw me in a cemetery over there. And that'll come. And we've got to deal with the reality of that. Try to deal with that and not get obsessed with it. But certainly God is good and kind. And if he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. What? And when I come, I'll take you there. I want you to go there. So certainly it's a happy place. And based on love and the relationships that we have. So there's your question. I don't know if I answered it or not. But we thought about it. Thank you.